Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. True Hauntings is a Human Labs original podcast. Crumlin Road Jail in North Belfast is the last remaining Victorian prison in Northern Ireland. It first opened its gates to prisoners in 1846 and for 150 years was fully operational. On March 31, 1996, the Governor of Belfast's jail walked out of the fortified prison and the heavy air lock gates slammed shut for the final time. During those 150 years, the jail has housed murderers, suffragettes and loyalists and Republican prisoners. It has witnessed births and deaths and marriages and has been the home to executions, escapes, hunger strikes and riots. Crumlin was the first jail in Ireland to use the silence and separation system, whereby there was only one prisoner per cell and... With a rule of silence, prisoners were hooded when outside their cells. A more humane regime was later introduced when it was seen that this system did nothing to reform inmates. What other horrors happen behind the tall jail walls? And what are the ghost stories waiting to be told? Let's open the gates to The Crumb and see what we can find out in this episode of The True Hauntings Podcast. Hi, my name is Anne. And I'm Renata. And we are so grateful that you are here for this episode of True Hauntings. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. Hello, Anne, and welcome back to the studio. Hello, Adinata. How are you? 
I'm okay. How are you? Oh, don't ask. <laughs> don't ask. We're all feeling a little bit stressed at the moment. Lots of things happening. Mm. Uh, we're, we've got a state in uh, shock because of flooding all around us. Uh, we've just been watching videos that have been sent into us of a local area and um, the waters all around. Yes, they had it's built up a, a flood. What do they call it? The, a levee. A levee. Yep. So that um, they wouldn't, because they had. They had such disastrous floods in Maitland, uh, what, 70 years ago. Mm. It, it was really dreadful. And uh, they built a levee and the water is almost at the top of the levee. Yeah, yeah. It's all coming down from yeah. um, up north. Yeah, those, those Queenslanders. <laughs> Stop no, sending us your water. <laughs> Keep your flood waters. <laughs> um, but yes, there are people in lots of difficulties at the moment around. So um, it's it's hard to be watching all of that. And uh, not feeling for the poor people that are, are losing things left, right, and centre. Yeah. Um, and look, everything's been affecting everyone in very personal ways. So your yes. your son and daughter in law, daughter in law to be, to be have. Yeah. Had repercussions yes. because of things that are going on. Bloody Rona. Yeah. Sick of Rona. All right. So they were meant to get married in September last year and they postponed their wedding to the to March. And uh, sadly, five days before the wedding, the bride has tested positive to COVID. Mm-hmm. So she's now being locked down for seven days and the wedding is being postponed. But not only that, her parents are flooded in. They, oh, are they? So in a little way, it's been a blessing mm-hmm. because her parents and her sister may not have been able to get there anyway. My goodness. So look, sometimes in life, shitty things happen, but it can be a blessing. So for example, our premium economy flights to Japan Airlines um, that we were going to do and we're so excited about, mm-hmm. they got, um, they, they cancelled on us. Mm-hmm. And then we've just found out they'd cancelled all flights yes. to England. So we'd be scrabbling right now to right get now, flights. Because we're just under four weeks out now before we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we it sort of worked out well. And they were flying over Russia. We yeah. don't want to fly over Russia. Yeah, no one's flying over Russia at the so moment. <laughs> now, now poor old Japan Airlines have got to take this massive big detour, which is going to cost them a bucket load of fuel, yeah. which means they're going to they're, they're be priced out of the market. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So th- these little things that are happening and big things have massive ripple effect going right throughout the world. But sometimes if you can just try to find a bright moment in there, just you've got to do it. You've got to find something bright to hang on to because otherwise we're just all going to sit there in a corner and rock and drool. Yeah. And uh, not everyone in the in the world is bad. And we had two moments of sunshine. Well, we've had uh, many moments of sunshine, really, because our beautiful followers have reached out to us in so many ways and are sharing the love. And one of our lovely followers all the way from Canada sent Melissa. us a beautiful gift. Uh, oh, Melissa. We have our own own Robert doll handmade she crocheted it yes handmade it's astounding and we will make sure there are photos up on the True Hauntings uh, page and on the Anne and Renata there's going to be there's going to be photos everywhere that's right because we are so proud and it's like a life size um, Robert copy of doll it. Oh, yeah it's beautiful it, yeah I just want to hug it even though it's like the most haunted doll yeah. in the world that's supposed to try and kill you but you know I want to hug it and then we had this beautiful beautiful heartfelt uh, video sent to us uh, by Patricia 
Yeah. Uh, and she was talking to us about um, her brother <laughs> who passed away and the deep feelings of connection that she has with his spirit. And it just was one of those moments where we just sat in awe that this person on the other side of the world was sharing this, this special moment with us. So we're just so grateful that everyone feels comfortable and so comfortable in sharing these things. And, and um, you know, we're really feeling as though we've built a, an, an awesome community all over the world. And it's, it's such a joyous thing. And we can now officially, I know we, t- we did tease it last, and I'm, look, I'm very sorry for all those people that we uh, um, upset when we said it was going to be our last podcast last week. Oh, that was an sorry. April Fool's joke. Sorry about yeah. that. But it was a bit of fun. I'm naughty. What can I do? Um, oh, I've forgotten what I was going to say. You were, teasing, you were teasing people about what? Oh, I don't know. I, I do like to tease. <laughs> Some, something that you were going to announce. What are you announcing? Oh, the Spooky Sundays podcast. Oh, God. Finally, we can tell people there is another podcast called the Spooky Sundays Podcast. Now, this is actually put out by Newcastle Live Radio. It can be found on Spotify, iTunes, and what was the other one? Deezer? Deezer or something? What in the hell is that? Never Never heard of that one. (laughs) Sorry, Deezer. It's probably awesome. Yeah, it is. It's It's fabulous. It's new. It's new to us, that's all. And um, don't forget that we've got a a bit of a competition happening in April for anyone who pops in a uh, written review on iTunes or um, it's got to be places we can find. So I think iTunes allows you to do it. And you don't have to have Apple products to be able to to Mm. sign in there. Um, Or if you want to send us one that we can then cut and paste and put out onto our social media, if you leave us a review, we're going to draw someone randomly who is going to then win a little prize pack from us. We'll send it to anywhere in the world that will actually uh, take our mail. Um, Look, for example, here is Mango Pips 10 who said, best paranormal podcast I've ever listened to. Anne and Renata are honestly the most funniest human beings I've ever listened to on a paranormal podcast. I absolutely love listening to them. They make history fascinating. So I told you people love history. You keep saying it's boring. And um, as stories eerie and spooky while also throwing in a mix of laughter and humor. Keep it up, ladies. You're doing an amazing, uh, you're doing amazing and I love every episode. So thank you. Thanks, Mango Pips. (laughs) But that's all you have to do. Yep. Pop something up there. And look, we're not saying you have to give us a five-star review. Although if it is five-star, I'm sure it'll be a, a much nicer present. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a one-star review, you might get a sticker and a pen. Mm. <laughs> we might just not even put those in the drawer. <laughs> We'd just be crappy old buggers and not do it. I've got an old biro somewhere I can dig out from the couch. We'll send that. No, seriously, we are are very grateful for all those people who have taken the time out. But when we come back from our England trip, we will dive into all the reviews and we will um, pick someone randomly. But while you're listening to this podcast, it's being downloaded. If you're downloading it on the day, we will be in Glastonbury. Oh, oh, there she goes. Oh, my oh, spiritual oh, home. Excuse me, everyone. She has a moment when you say the word Glastonbury. Oh. See? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we're going to go and stay at St. Anne's. Oh. So we're looking forward yes. to seeing Estelle again. Yeah. Uh, that was a great stay that we had there last time. So we'll be back. And the shops. And the shops. The shops. We, the might, we might be doing... 
some window shopping. We might just we might hit the second hand bookshops. That will do. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll find some books to bring home. Yeah. All right. Do Let's have, get on with do the we have crumb. Any other news? No. Any, nothing else. We'll get on with the crumb. Now, all you kind folk are always reading me bang on about just how fascinating our local history is. And I hope I've convinced a lot of you that this is the case with my lockdown history lessons. What I love about it all is just how diverse it really is and how much it really covers, which in effect is everything. Believe it or not, it also includes all the stories relating to the paranormal and the more sinister and supernatural aspects of life, or indeed death. One of these subjects is going to be ghosts. And many stories are told where people meet, but sadly most of them are going to be complete nonsense. For example... There is a number of tours arranged which bring folk around what's meant to be Belfast's haunted spots, but sadly, they are all the results of someone's overactive imagination. One example being the Belfast hangman who roams the streets looking for victims, but the slight historical downfall is that not only have there never been any Belfast hangmen, but there is no record of any Irish ones either. In Belfast, there are thousands of ghost stories, and for people such as ourselves, the hard work is not in gathering them, but in trying to figure out which ones are absolute rubbish. People do this in different ways, but we do this by exploring the incident on which the ghost stories are based. For example, if it's centred around a man who was tragically killed in a certain place, then we try to find out if a man was indeed killed at that place in a tragic way. If not, then it's obviously rubbish. But there's really one question which we must ask ourselves when it comes to these, and that is, what are they? There are many explanations for ghosts, ranging from trapped souls through to images caught in time. The latter would actually seem quite sensible, given the fact that not all ghosts are human. For example, in London, there is a case of a ghostly bus, and in several parts of the country, there are cases of ghostly trains, with one being the infamous ghost train of South Amman. However, these explanations only focus on sightings, but what of the other supernatural activities? Poltergeists are infamous paranormal experiences where objects and sometimes people are thrown around and if that is not good enough, then how do we explain occasions when ghostly feelings, sounds and smells have been experienced? The latter would seem to be quite unusual, but there are numerous cases of strange smells being sensed in areas where paranormal activity occurs. The human body is made up of five senses, if we ignore the alleged sixth sense. There are ghosts which can be seen, ghosts which can be felt, ghosts which can be heard, so why not ghosts that can be sensed through smell? The other sense of taste is not ignored, as there are indeed cases of people who have experienced a foul taste in their mouth in places of paranormal activity. In Belfast... There are cases of households being almost overcome with the smell of gas and when the supply was checked, it was found to be fine. 
One such case was on the Crumlin Road, and when research was carried out on the history of the house, it was discovered that two sisters had actually died in the very room where the smell was detected and that they had been overcome by gas fumes. Another case also occurred on the Crumlin Road, this time at Belfast Prison. But that is a tale for another time. So that uh, bit of a story today came from the Belfast History Project Facebook page. Uh, And uh, it was uh, entitled A Mother's Encounter Inside Belfast Prison. And I've got the rest of that story to tell later on in uh, the, the show. But... I did have to search high and low to find things for this one. But, uh, yeah, let's hand over to you, Renata, because I read some very interesting things about the history of the crumb. Hmm. Okay. So the jail was originally designed by a fellow called Sir Charles Lanyon. And the prison was built between 1843 and 1845 at the cost of about £60,000. So that was a big load of money back then. Mm. And it was built to replace another county jail on Antrim Street in Carrickfergus. It was constructed by uh, using the local black basalt rock and it is set on about 10 acres. And by the time it was built, it was known to be one of the most advanced prisons of its day. I guess if you can call a prison advanced. I don't <laughs> yeah. know what they what they think an advanced prison is. Now, they used this design that was a, a, fi- it, it was a five-sided wall on the outside. And there were four wings uh, that had anything up to four stories in height. And they fanned off from a central area. And so it was known as a circle. And we've seen this repeated in some of our jails here in Australia, where they have like a, a, a centre. Piece, yep, yep. and then it, it sort of fans out. Yeah, so if you imagine putting your hand on the table and spreading your fingers out as far as I'll go, mm-hmm. it's sort of like there's that centerpiece in the middle, and then it fans out like your fingers do. Yeah, so that was really to uh, cut down on the amount of prison guards that were required because ah. central prison guards guards could see down every right from the the station yeah. in the middle. Yeah, yeah. So wasn't it, Eastern States Penitentiary like that one? Uh, I think it was. I vaguely remember reading that somewhere. Yeah, we had a lot of prisons uh, in the early years in Australia built like and that as well. I think even well. Parramatta was a bit like that, but mm. they've knocked down a lot of the wings. Yes, yeah. So the prison itself was originally built to hold somewhere between 500 and 550 prisoners. And the cells measured 12 by 7 feet or 365 centimetres to 200 and, by 213 centimetres. Now, seven feet is slightly higher than, you know, a tall guy. That's Isaac. So you'd kind of, yeah, you'd kind of just slide into that. And yeah, if you were fairly big, which man, they weren't back then. No, they were um, little short, yeah. short asses. There, there wasn't a lot of room. There was literally just enough room to sleep. I guess. And it was the first prison in Northern Ireland to be built according to the separate system. Now, this was uh, intended for each prisoner to be in a separate cell. Uh, I know locally they used a separate system at Maitland Jail for a while as well. Yeah, and I think uh, Old Melbourne Jail as well. Mm-hmm. 
They weren't allowed to look at anyone? And yeah, no communication. Yeah. So you, you really were there to suffer you were for to, your sins. You were supposed to think, have an internal monologue with yourself on what a naughty person you'd been and, and come to the realisation that you can be a better person. Yeah. And how did that work? Not well. No. Now, we remember the size that I mentioned of the cells I earlier. I always remember the size. And, and that it was supposed to be one person to a cell. Mm-hmm. But in the years leading up to the 70s, they sometimes had three prisoners in <gasps> one of those cells. Oh, how did they do that? They must put bunk beds in. Mm. We avoid bunk beds. We've been looking at accommodation for our trip. And uh, every time they, because we've got to do a, a cheap version, and every time they mention bunk beds, I'm like, no. No, bunk beds don't scare me as much as um, uh Shared bathrooms. bathrooms. (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, all I can think of is my lard ass climbing up on the top bunk and then (laughs) it all collapsing and I crush you underneath. (laughs) Oh, no. I don't think think bunk beds were made for people like me. I'm a big girl. Now, um, as you said, this was really hard, this one, to to research. And um, I found a few sites that kind of contradicted each other when it came to facts. Well, facts, facts, facts are fluid. <laughs> Who needs facts? You don't need a fact fact. You just need some information and call it a fact. You know what it's like. Yeah. Have, you, have you ever listened to the news? <laughs> That's true. So a lot of the sites say that the first 106 inmates were forced to walk from Carrickfergus Prison in chains and they arrived in 1846. How many years did that but, take? It's a long <laughs> way from Carrickfergus. <laughs> but this is an unconfirmed fact, but a fact. Oh, did, right. It's an, an unconfirmed un- fact, but a fact. Right. Let's go there. It's all like right? evidence and proof. Yeah, People yeah, get yeah. those ones muddled all yeah. the time. So these people actually uh, consisted of men, women and children. And it was a complete changeover between the prisons. So one prison closed, the other one opened. Now, again, children, why children? Um, And we have this same story again at Maitland Jail. So children who came from very, very poor and working class families were often put into jail with their family members because if they were left out, they would starve mm-hmm. um, or because they had committed offences like stealing food and clothing. Yeah. Now, one poor story that I'm going to add here, which is really, really sad, is confirmed. We know oh, that this actually happened. That's a fact, everyone. Uh, and it happened in 1853, and it was a th- of a 13-year-old boy um, whose name was Patrick McGee, and he was sent to jail for stealing clothing from a washerwoman. Now, this had been his third offence. My God, he was all of 13. Oh. It was his third offence, and so he was sentenced to three months in the jail, but... He hanged himself within a few hours what? of being put into the cell. What? Yeah. At the age of 13? At the age of 13. Oh, no. So a law was passed in the same year that stated that um, children under the age of 16 who'd committed a crime uh, would not go into prison. They would be sent to reform schools. I don't know whether that was going to be... Yeah, whether that worked really well. And they would have put them in with adults. Yeah. Now... 
another 10 years later in 1868, this same rule then covered for children who were found as vagrants, which meant that they were just homeless. Yeah. Vagrancy was homelessness. Parents had died or buggered off. Yep. And- so for 10 years, a thief would go to reform school, but a child guilty of nothing more than hanging out too long would go to jail. Oh, mm. where is the common sense in that? Mm. So it took 10 years for, for vagrant children to go to a reform school. Prior to that, if you were found out, you'd go to jail. And look, for some of them, probably it was the best thing that happened. Yeah. The best and the worst. Well, as so, long as they kept them segregated and... Well, and, in the early years, they weren't. You yeah. know that. So women inmates were also kept in a prison blockhouse until the early 1900s. And... Uh, uh, suffragettes were put in. Oh, oh those, those suffragettes. Those bloody suffragettes. Suffragettes. They like to suffer publicly. Yep. And uh, there were two famous ones, Dorothy Evans and Madge. Madge Muir. <laughs> were, they were oh, I'm so imprisoned. glad you didn't get the M confused there and change it to something else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that tickle oh, the fancy. No. She's so, so I had to, I, I had to go through the alphabet, going what, what, letter? what, oh, <laughs> what dear. letter? Okay, I got it. Oh. Uh, they were in prison in the jail during the nineteen fourteen veggie bite. Just in case anyone's trying to work it out, like Renata, she's a simple soul. She's pure. Now. Interestingly enough, Lanyon, who originally designed the jail, didn't add a gallows in and an execution centre. Because he was going to cure every one of their wickedness. So these were actually carried out in public view until 1901. Uh, And then an execution chamber was actually constructed within the prison walls and hid, hid very intriguingly, Mm. the execution area. Mm. Oh, I've got a story yes. about that in a minute. Yes. Oh. And I'm not going to ruin it for you because I know what it is too. Oh. It's astounding. Get you going. No, and the last hangings actually occurred in 1961. That, like 1961. That's, that's not that long ago no. when you were as old as us. No. <laughs> hey, did so, you notice I said us? Thank you. So 17 prisoners in all were executed at the jail. The last uh, one of those was Robert McGladdery, who was hanged in 1961 for the murder of Pearl Gamble. Oh, Pearl. Oh, Pearl. Pearl. So the condemned man would live in a cell large enough large enough for two guards to live in there with him. Yeah, I had a look at the picture of it. It is it's like a motel room. That's it's creepy. It's it's um a big room. And they didn't get rid of the bodies that were executed. They actually buried them inside the prison grounds in unconsecrated ground yes. against a back wall, yep. as if that was further punishment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Horrible. Now, there was also an execution of Tom Williams, who was only 19 years old, and he was a member of the R. IRA, and that took place on the 2nd of September 1942, and he was uh, hanged, and the hangman in charge was Thomas Pierpont, Point, Pierpoint, um, and he was the jail's most regular hangman, and he carried out six of the executions of the 17 in total um, between 1928 and 1942, and uh, Williams was one of two executed prisoners 
uh, whose remains were disinterred and buried elsewhere. So they were they were taken. So that leaves 16 bodies still within the jail site. Mm. So we've got um, political prisoners that were there. Um, it says in my notes here that the Crum, which was the common name for the Crumlin Jail, um, housed more than 25,000 prisoners yeah. in its lifetime. And they included, like I said, uh, suffragettes, petty thieves, republicans, loyalists. Uh, and uh, during the Troubles in Northern Ireland, I love that, yeah. the Troubles, yeah. so sad. Uh, there were many notable figures that were also detained there. And when we talk about that, they're talking about politicians like Ian Paisley and Martin McGuinness um, and loyalists like Martin Stone. There's the RIA hunger striker Bobby Sands um, and, yeah, many others. And I guess we don't want to get into too much of the political stuff. Let's let's look at, at some stories more than anything else. So we had the suffragettes in there and during the 1900s, uh, the, these women became com, uh, increasingly vocal. How sad. <laughs> How dare they? How yep. dare they speak up? Mm-hmm. And so there were, there were women's groups like the Women's Social and Political Union, the WSPU. Um, they, they were becoming more radical. Middle class women were the core of suffrage in Ulster. They suffered a lot. Yeah, and Dorothy Evans was a, another figure who led the WSPU campaign in Ulster. Look, we got a lot to thank for those ladies for actually oh. standing up and voicing their opinion instead of just staying in the background and being put in jail for disagreeing with your husband. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Dorothy went so far as to declare war on Ooh. Edward Carson for his lack of progress on the issue, even after he unexpectedly announced that women's suffrage would be granted in 1913. Oh, bless his soul. I bet you his wife had something to do with that. <laughs> Um, and Ev- Evans and Madge, Dorothy and Madge. <laughs> We're just going to laugh every time we say that now. Oh, there was, there was a very, there was a she very, loved very loved, very loved um, uh, commercial on TV. Oh, Madge. I worked with Madge. <laughs> I've worked with Madge you too. I both worked with Madge. You know, you're soaking in it. <laughs> This palm olive is a dishwashing liquid. And they used to have this commercial back in the 60s where um, uh, there was a nail artist and she would be doing your nails and then she'd poke your your fingers into this green liquid. Mm -hmm. Well, it was black and white, but it was green. And um, they'd be talking about the washing up, as the ladies do, Mm -hmm. over their nail appointment. And um, uh, they'd be talking about palm olive and how great it is. And then Madge would go, you know, you're soaking in it. Just like... We've got a snort. So yeah. Madge, Madge became a legend yes, in Australian yes. television. Yeah. Uh, and Renata, you got to work her with a TV commercial for, for White Wings. Yeah, I had to wake her up at one point. She's, <laughs> she's, she's in her 80s, I yeah. think, and she's on the ball. Mind you, she fell asleep. But I saw her get up at a, a, a conference and do a tap dance routine. Oh, wow. Um, and, and when I uh, worked with Madge, I killed her. <laughs> I had to hit her over the head with a frying pan. Oh, dear. So, anyway. Anyway, Dorothy and Madge uh, were actually 
arrested for possession of explosive explosive substances after a series of arson attacks. Oh my god! I love these ladies. I love them. Oh, and the police raided their home and they uncovered a cache of weapons. Ooh. And the women were arrested. Do you reckon yes. they were planted? Or do you reckon no, they did it? I'll, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they did it. Oh, so. I love them. Evans put up so much resistance that she had to be restrained by a number of officers during the court hearing. Oh, she was, she was what well, they call it, catfighting. She oh, had the nails and the teeth out. Yeah. And um, yeah, after the magistrate remanded the women in custody, they promptly began a hunger strike, which led to their release under the so-called Cat and Mouse <coughs> Act of 1913, which allowed for the early release of prisoners who were so weakened by hunger striking that they were at risk of death. Wow. Now, when they were released, the women hired a car, they decked it out with suffrage flags, and they defiantly drove around Belfast, passing the court where they had caused so much outrage. Oh, I love these women. They I were great. love them to death. Now, I have been to Crumlin Road Jail. Have you? Very briefly with my other travel companion, yeah. Roman. And uh, they were actually closing at the time. They only had like 15 minutes left. We couldn't get in there for a tour, but they let us wander around the history. Mm-hmm. But across the road from it, is the courthouse and we didn't know that's what it was at the time mm-hmm. it was just this magnificent huge building with columns um, that was all fenced off and there are stories about it wow so um i i'm excited because we're going back yes we'll talk about that later so we've got a, another story here eddie cullens uh he was walking to the gallows and even all, all the time uh, he was protesting and saying that he uh, was innocent uh, and just would not accept the conviction. Now, he was a Jewish-American gangster and he was convicted of the murder of a Turkish circus worker, Ahmet Musa, in Carricksfergus. And it, it kind of says that the details would not be out of place in a gangster movie yeah. if someone was making. You I know. think he turns up in one of my stories. Yeah. What's the name of that town again? Carrick Fergus. Oh, that's better. Yeah. I thought you said Carrick's. Carrick's. Fergus. Carrick Fergus. And so Musa was shot in the head and his body was dumped in a field uh, and he was completely naked except for a blue and white swimming cap. Okay. <laughs> I- Okay. I don't know. That must be symbolic of something. It yeah. has to be. Yeah. And uh, he was, uh, Collins was hanged in 1932. So um, there, I'm going to talk about the gallows cell just for a minute because that's, that's really. Um, yes. Yeah. So this was the only cell that had an ensuite. Um, but even that was not real. And they're talking about this gallows cell that kind of looked like this palatial apartment within the prison. Yeah. Just the size this of it. This is the one I was talking yeah, about, the, yeah, the yeah. size, yeah. Uh, but the bathroom actually had a, a secret door that led into the execution chamber. So the prisoner was directly next to the execution chamber the whole time he was in there. Yeah, and they didn't know. They had no idea. And the thing is, they talk about um, the prisoner having to psych themselves up to make the walk to the gallows, but yeah. they got round it. Yes, didn't have to. So the day before the execution, and no one knew when it actually was, it would just happen at any moment, the governor was knocking at the door to announce to the convict his death was generally at 8am the next day so whoever it was literally had 
a few hours yep. to kind of understand that he was just about to die uh, and that he wasn't leaving the room that he was in ever again. Yep. That was his last thing. So around seven in the morning, the governor would then come around with a, a little group of people and the yeah the, the prisoner had to mentally prepare himself for the walk to the gallows. Um, he was taken to the adjacent room in which uh, there was only a toilet and a library. <laughs> uh, interesting connection of things uh, and here he was kind of to collect himself um, only to realise that the library had been moved and there was a door that was, was now open. It was a secret door. Yeah and all he had to do was go through the door and there were the gallows. Yep. Like just a few metres from where he had like been the whole time. You literally stepped through um, and I, did you get uh, the, that bit of information about the hangman? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Maybe not. Hang on, hang on. There was a famous executioner, <clears throat> William Harwood, who, uh, when he worked there, he he perfected his execution methods. So, from the opening of the bookcase, 
It took Harwood seven seconds to slip the noose around the prisoner's neck and have them drop through the trap door to hang until dead. Wow. So they didn't even know it was happening. It would The door would open, they'd step through, and then they'd be going, what the hell's happening? In the meantime, the noose has dropped over the head and the thing's dropped. Wow. So they didn't have that whole um, anxiety of it's about to happen, it's about to happen. It just happens. I don't know whether that's a good thing or not, but it's... He perfected it down to seven seconds. Mm. Now, I just want to read a few more things here that I found that were interesting. So, as we mentioned before, Crumlin was the first jail in Ireland to use silence and separation. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, a more humane regime was later introduced... Uh, but it really did nothing to reform the inmates at all. Now, the regime continued to involve hard labour and corporal punishment of various kinds, the worst of which was being lashed with the cat of nine tails. Mm. Um, a particularly nasty whip, this piece of information, he says. Yeah, yeah. It, the cat of nine tails was um, a whip that had nine lashes in it. Mm-hmm. and so Nine strips. Nine strips and... In Australia, um, the cat of nine tails didn't do its job as efficiently as they had hoped. So the governors would say, make it worse. Yeah. So they would put knots in the cat of nine tails. Mm-hmm. Um, and at times that wasn't enough because yep. the men would come back time and time again after having committed crimes to be lashed again. Mm-hmm. And at times you would be getting 100 lashes. Yeah. There's no skin left on your back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And so they decided to improve it even more by Mm -hmm. putting bits of a broken glass Mm -hmm. or wire. Or nails. Or or, nails. Whatever it could, whatever could slash through the skin within the first few lashes and actually literally show the bone. Yeah. Nice. I love humans. Yeah, so it it kind of says not just men but also boys were subjected to lashing, although in the latter case it was with a birch, which would be a a piece of branch, birch branch, that was flexible enough but strong enough to really be as painful as hell. Now, there are a number of phrases that are still used every day that are actually originated from prison – so one of them is, has the cat got your tongue? Oh. And that was a taunt to those who had just been whipped and were in no position to talk. Ah, oh, okay. Because of the pain. And also being carpeted, uh, which is probably more of an uh, an English-Irish thing. We don't hear much of that here. No. Uh, which usually preceded the cat of nine tails as the governor's office was the only room with a carpet. Oh, yes, I did read that, yeah. Mm. And being for the long drop meant being sentenced to be hanged. Yeah. Long drop means something different here in Australia. (laughs) That means That is true. It is a big hole that's had a tin can put over the top of it and a dunny seat, which is a toilet seat, and you take your dump on there and it goes down the long drop. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm full of good information. Facts. Yeah. Full of facts. So I've kind of talked a little bit about some of the interesting people uh, in at the jail and a little bit about uh, what the jail uh, was like, what it was like to be in there. But I'm going to hand over to you uh, with regard to the ghost stories. Sure. I had a little bit extra to add into the um, the the hang hangman's room as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, prisoners were left uh, were hung for half an hour 
to ensure that the soul had left their body and then they were taken into the very next room to prepare the body for the funeral because they'd have the casket in there waiting for them. Mm. So they would drop down through the hole and there was their casket. I'm surprised that they had a funeral. Yeah, well, I think they used that word loosely. Um, They probably would have to say... uh, they perform some sort of service over their soul to try and Mm -hmm. offer them the last hope for meeting God and all that sort Mm -hmm. of stuff. That's a quick burial. It's a quick putting into the the earth, isn't it? And um, there wasn't a lot of communication between the outside. Once you went into jail, uh, there was no communication with your family outside. So if you had family members die or anything like that, you wouldn't know about it. And the only way that uh, the people outside knew that their loved ones had died is they'd write it on a chalkboard out the front to say, you, you love, um, these people have died today. Wow. Oh, wow. Yep. So, uh, let, now the, the reason why we chose to do this one is because we met up with uh, the, the lovely cat uh, who contacted us through Facebook and uh, they invited us to come to the Crumlin Road Jail for a bit of an investigation on the Thursday night that we are in uh, the Belfast area. Mm-hmm. So we thought, well, let's do a, a potty on it. And um, we're hoping we're hoping that one of their team members might be able to give us a story, which we'll insert here into this podcast. And they are the investigators now at the Crumlin Road Jail. And it would be great to have a, a story from someone themselves. So fingers crossed we can make that happen. Uh, so, as I say, that it's a building whose walls have absorbed years of intense anger, torment, sorrow and death. So it's no surprise that the jail is haunted. Mm. Uh, the common phenomena that is heard throughout the jail, disembodied voices, footsteps, objects moving and doors slamming. Mm-hmm. You know, we hear even at our jail doors slamming. And, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I've, I've been there when I've, I've watched this door just swing shut in front of me. It was bizarre and they're heavy doors they are big heavy doors now i did have to go researching quite hard to try and find anything because there's there's not a huge amount of information i don't know whether it's only because it was um recently closed recently closed and it was abandoned for a while and then recently reopened Mm -hmm. that maybe there is not a lot in there yet um that has been documented <clears throat> but I've got uh, some of the stuff that people have uh, reported. Um, Halloween night 2016, paranormal investigation took place in the jail. Uh, during the investigation, the group witnessed a heavy steel door closing on its own accord and strange uh, noises were heard using recording equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ghost guides, the tour guides, did speak about two children that are believed to haunt the prison, a boy and a girl. Uh, the girl's name was revealed to be Isabel, uh, and apparently she likes making her presence known. Uh, and there was even a photograph, which I will make sure that we get up onto there, onto the uh, True Hauntings Facebook page, uh, of what looks like a young girl standing in the doorway of one of the cells. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, it reminds me of that photo that somebody sent to us of Maitland Jail of a child 
a toddler standing at the door, mm-hmm. which is the paintwork, and yes. you've just forgotten what it looks like. But it is intriguing. I couldn't quite blow it up big enough to have a, a decent look at it <clears> without <throat> becoming pixelated, but I'll put it up for you guys to have a look at. 2019 was reported in the Irish Mirror that a a visitor had captured the outline of a man in uniform standing in the doorway of a cell in the deserted B-Wing. I think that was... I saw that photo too, and I have no idea how they thought that that was a man in a uniform standing in a doorway. It was so pixelated. It was dreadful. Uh, There is also... uh, Oh, they said that could tie in with the phantom prison water that still makes their rounds there. There is a padded cell. They took all the padding out of the Maitland Jail ones. Yes. They probably had rats nesting in there. Um, Such a shame. So that's in B-Wing, and some visitors reported seeing a dark entity, while others have felt uneasy or have been touched or shoved. Mm. Touch me! Touch me! I'll be doing that when I'm in there. Uh, In C-Wing, there is a figure of a man spotted walking through. Now, C-Wing is where the condemned man's cell is uh, that we have mentioned. Now, they've got tunnels. Yes. Will you go in the tunnel this time? Yes, I will. So the tunnel connects the courthouse across the road to the jail. Now, they always reported these tunnels. There's supposed to be one at Maitland Jail. Uh The courthouse is across the road. Yeah. I reckon there is one. I just don't think they've found it yet. We've heard so many different versions on where the tunnel is. Uh, And apparently they've had a lot of um, what they call grey figures reported in the tunnels over the year. But the problem with the the tunnel is that when it was being used, when the, the at the height of the troubles, if they had um, a Protestant coming one way and a Catholic going the other way, it would erupt. There'd be fights beyond for young and old. So th- that is supposed to be one of the paranormal hotspots down there. Mm-hmm. And there is good cause for it mm-hmm. if there's that much anxiety and, and anger and violence that it's held down there. Oh, okay, that's the tunnel. Oh, yes, and they said that sometimes that take, people will take a photo of um, someone standing in front of them in the tunnel, and then when they look at the photo, the person, the living person, has disappeared. It's just the tunnel. You don't get a photo of the person. Of the living person. Of the living person. That's bizarre. Isn't it? I like that. That's that's a new one. I like that. <laughs> a living person disappearing off a photo. Yep. Uh, and as I said, they heard footsteps. They hear footsteps walking up and down the tunnel. Uh, and they said, uh, this is one of the, the guides that work there. Uh, I didn't believe in any of the ghost stuff until I started working there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Now, as I'd mentioned earlier as well, there is the, uh, well, you'd mentioned that the prisoners are buried within the walls of the jail in unmarked graves. But what some of the prisoners did is that they would go and scratch the initials of who the person was into the wall near where they were buried. Mm -hmm. So they had some sort of marker Mm -hmm. and those bodies are still there. And as I said, to notify an inmate's family of the death, the guard would stick a sign in the front of the jail's gate. And that's how you found out. You just have to keep going there every day to find out whether your loved one was dead or not. (sighs) Now, let me tell you about a personal experience that somebody has had there. I recently visited the Crumlin Road Jail in Belfast for the very first time. We were on a regular day tour and a guide took us beyond cell block C and out the doors to the back jail yard. For a good few minutes, my friend and I, both females, heard 
had heard this really loud whistling. It was as if someone was whistling three or four distinct tones uh, with a few pauses in between. It was then heard throughout the the tour and uh, throughout the tour guide's conversation. It only stopped once they moved away from that area. Now, I noticed there was a couple of other reports too of whistling. And mm-hmm. we've had whistles mm-hmm. at Tomica, but not the. I don't think we've heard whistles at Maitland. Uh, sea wing. Sea wing. We've had whistles. Sea wing. Yep, ah. we've had whistles. So that was really cool. Um, other people heard it on the tour as well. Oh no, sorry. There were two couples, and only the females of the couples heard it. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Yeah. Unless the, the, the men just weren't... Because men don't multitask as well as women. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not being horrible. But, you know, that, that could be what it was. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a photograph of uh, about a coffin. A visitor who lay down in a coffin for a photograph later realised that she'd captured the image of a strange face next to theirs. <sighs> It's that prob- could be pareidolia. pareidolia. <laughs> but, I mean, we're assuming. We haven't seen the photo. Yep. Uh, and, and they even said in the, the article there that it was probably pareidolia. So, remember I'd started off with uh, that uh, little story for our soundscape. I'm yes. going to finish off the rest of this story now. Right. Okay. So, this is the Belfast History Project. There are numerous ghost stories in this building, talking about Crumlin Road Jail, with one said to have been an American Jew who was hanged in 1930 for the murder which he may not have committed. So this is the one that you were talking yes, about. Yes, who said that he was innocent the yes. whole time. A ghostly figure matching his description has been seen wandering the walkways of the prison wings and most of the sightings were by warders. And they're not the ones who normally would mm. repeat that sort of stuff. A few years ago, we uh, sorry, a few years we organised several tours of this prison. Everyone on it agreed that once they were in the execution cell, they were overcome by a sudden coldness. And this was before they even knew what that cell was. Another ghost in the prison was said to be that of a young boy who had horrifically committed suicide. So that was the story you told us. Yeah. Uh, as he was terrified of being whipped by the prison hangman. So that is why he took his life. For years after this tragedy, it was said that the cries of a young boy could be heard in the dead of the night, which must have been a scary experience for the other prisoners. Mm. A few months before the outbreak of the First World War, two parents were locked up in the Belfast prison and their children being looked after by the grandmother in two small rented rooms at 29 Constant Street in the Ballymacarrett area of the city. I love how they've got all the names here. This is historians. This isn't ghost hunters, Mm -hmm. right? These are stories from history. The grandmother, Matilda Roberts, worked at the Belfast Rope Works. And when she went to work, Mrs. Lowry, uh, whom the rooms were rented, looked after the children and gave them their breakfast. On the 28th of January, 1914, Miss Roberts went to work as normal, leaving Mrs. Lowry to get the children up and give them their breakfast, which she did. Mrs. Lowry lit a small fire in the front room to give them some heat. And after the eldest child, age seven, oh, and left uh, the eldest uh, child, age seven, in charge so she could do, go and do some shopping. Seven. What could go wrong? Seven. Yeah. But this is different times, isn't it? Yeah. A, a seven-year-old often would be taking care of a number of little siblings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Okay, short time afterwards, uh, Anna Hamilton, who lived next door at 27, was sitting at home when she heard the screams of children coming from next door. On rushing in, she found George Roberts, who was aged three, in flames and running around. She managed to get him down and put out the flames using a shawl. She then ripped off the burned clothing, which probably took his skin with it. They didn't know any better at the time and sent the the children to get help. Medical help arrived and the young child was taken to Ulster Hospital in Templemore Avenue and placed in one of the emergency beds. Back in the Belfast prison, the parents were told nothing of this occurrence and they... This is what I was saying. There's no communication Mm. uh, as there was no way of communicating with them. In these days, the prison was extremely strict and was divided into separate sections for men, women and children. There was never any talking allowed between prisoners and visits were only arranged under exceptional circumstances. That evening, the prisoners were locked in their cells at the usual time of around six and Mrs. Roberts, like the rest of the prison, settled down to sleep as they were usually awakened around 5 a.m. the following morning. However, this night, Mrs. Roberts was to get no sleep whatsoever. Later in the night, she was awakened by the sound of gentle crying. Instantly, she recognized this crying as that of her youngest George. The crying stopped, but the second it did, Mrs. Roberts later stated the room was filled with the most disgusting burning smell, which lingered for a few moments and then completely disappeared. I'm covered in goosebumps. Mrs. Roberts went into hysterics as she knew something was seriously wrong. She banged and banged on the strong wooden door until a warder came along, but he simply told her to shut up and get back to bed. This had no effect on poor Mrs. Roberts, who continued banging and clawing at the door in tears until she she fell down with exhaustion. The warder had placed her in a report, and the time of the incident was noted as 2.35 a.m. Back at Ulster Hospital... The young boy died as a result of his horrific injuries. The time of death, 2.30 a.m. Wow. 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 So that information was taken from issue three of our local history magazine, Belfast, A Scattered History, uh, which was from May 2021. Isn't that just astounding? Mm. A mother knows, don't they? Yep. Uh, So, look... I've sort of given you most of the ghost stories that have happened. I watched some of the TV shows and it was all the, the, like the YouTube things. They were all pretty typical from the doors and the footsteps and the voices and all that sort of thing. But I have to read you a TripAdvisor review Mm -hmm. because I want to bitch slap this person. Okay. Awesome. I'm on the side of the uh, Crumlin Road people when it comes to this review, and you'll see why. This was was from a while ago, November 2014. Uh, Most Not Haunted is what it's called, review of Crumlin Road Jail. Mm -hmm. Visited Crumlin Road Jail on their paranormal tour two nights before Halloween. Went with a group of ten girls from work. Let's get it straight. We wanted to be frightened. I can feel Renata's eyes rolling from here. To be told at the start of the tour that the intention was not to frighten anyone was a bit disappointing to say the least. (laughs) Sorry, Karen. (laughs) 
The main oh, worry no. on the tour was losing your step in the very dark conditions, going up and down stairs and crossing uneasy services, surfaces. We work in insurance and I wouldn't like to insure on this one. The guide was very clear, threw in a few quips and did his bit very well. However, if, they had, if there had been a helping hand, it would have made all the difference. Could they not have made a hangman's noose shake a bit? Or blow some cold air on us when we were in the tunnel? Or a creaking door? To come out with absolutely nothing was a bit weak. The organisers need to think Alton Towers on a small scale. Even Derek Cora couldn't have made this to a scary. Nice to see so many people in on the tour. Another example of Belfast getting back on its feet. Oh... Oh, I would love to just take a moment with this person in a um, small room and tell them what I think. There's that execution cell. So, firstly, Karen, um, and (laughs) to all my friends out there who are Karen, we love you to death. We know this is just the the term of the moment. Um, You booked a paranormal investigation, not a ghost tour. There is a difference. Mm, Or a fright night. Yes. And just because it's close to Halloween doesn't mean that people are going to be jumping out and scaring you. If it's a paranormal investigation, you are there to have a true experience, not blowing cold air on you in the (laughs) frigging tunnel. Oh, my God. I just want to reach out to all those at Crumlin and give them a big hug. That's awful. What a horrid, horrid person. Yeah. I wanted to write something back in the comments, but I thought, oh, it's... It's so long ago. 2014. The moment's passed. I just have to let this go. As our our cards would say, let it go. (laughs) There's nothing you can do here. Just let it go. No, no. So, well, look, that brings us to the end of this episode. What do you reckon, Renata? We will find out for We're ourselves. We're going to find out. Yes. Oh, a couple we'll of weeks after this. Yeah. So we are, we'll report back in a later episode on how we... We might actually have to do a whole episode on our findings at all the haunted locations that we've gone to we may. from our trip. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, you've got to go onto YouTube, Anne and Renata, oh no, Anne and Renata Ghost Hunters. Please head over there if you want to watch us on our journey. We are so close to cracking the 4,000 on there. We really wanted to get it to 5,000. Actually, we want to get it to half a million, but, you know, small steps. Uh, Four please. extras to get us over to 4,000 would be please. wonderful right now. And and if, when you go over there and you see that we've already cracked that 4,000 or more, just just subscribe anyway. You've got no idea how much it makes two old girls really happy. Uh, so... Thank you. Don't forget we've got our competition. Leave your review and we will pick someone randomly uh, at the beginning of May that will win a little prize pack. Anywhere in the world's welcome. And uh, do I think it's haunted? I think with the amount of horror and terror that's gone in there, it would, it's would it got to have some sort of residual stuff that's Absolutely, happening. Absolutely, I think so. But yeah, I need to find out myself. Mm, and we will. We will. So thank you very much for joining us on this week's episode. Share this around with everyone so they too can have a wheeze, laugh and cackle along with us. And we will see you next week on The True Hauntings and see you on the dark side. And remember, Madge, you're soaking in it. Stay spooky. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. 
For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or visit their website, www.annandrenata.com. True Hauntings is a part of the Human Labs Podcast Network. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.